Hey guys, welcome back to In Light of the Gospel. In today's episode, I talked to a young friend of mine named Tony Fair. I think many of you will be acquainted with him already. If not, I think you'll be in uh, for a treat here. So we recorded this podcast right here outside on our farm. So you'll hear some chickens in the background and some dogs. Um, I'm working on perhaps uh, creating a studio slash office. Maybe eventually I'll be inside there. But for now, I do with what I have. Right here is where Tony Fair was sitting when he first understood the gospel. And uh, I saw the reality of the gospel come over his face, if I can put it that way. And he was overjoyed with good with the goodness of God. And uh, it was a real blessing to, to see him transform from a young, troubled soul to a liberated, strong, courageous man that he now is today. Thanks for tuning in. God bless you. Here we are sitting in my backyard. Fire pit is right behind the camera. And it was about seven years ago that we were sitting here and I was preaching through the book of Romans. I remember very clearly being in Romans chapter 6, speaking about our crucifixion together with Christ and that when Christ was buried, we were buried with him and we were raised again. And I could see the lights come on in Tony's eyes. And as my wife and I went inside that evening, we discussed what had happened and we're like, I'm pretty sure he got saved. We'll hear more of that, I'm sure, in the, in the next little while. But something changed in his mind and the way he responded with understanding it always tells me that okay this guy seems to understand the cross so but anyway he's younger than me but we've become good friends and yeah. i really appreciate him he's helped out with the church quite a bit teaching and preaching and uh, he's very gifted in many ways and he's become very successful with his car sales hopefully we'll get into that a little bit hmm. but i like to start off with uh, a bit of their history so we can kind of learn who tony fair is yeah. so as a young boy maybe five six ten years old yeah. what's uh, what's interesting about tony fair well, I was going to public school, and I thought I was a pretty decently smart kid, um, you know, and I, and I was I was looked after really well from my parents. I remember growing up, um, you know, I had a lot of, it felt like my parents were really strict. They couldn't, they didn't want to let me go, do sleepovers. They didn't want to let me do this and that. And a lot of the, even the field trips, I, for some reason, I wouldn't, uh, I wouldn't be able to go to those two. I didn't understand, actually um how we did we actually did struggle financially quite a bit but when you're a kid you just you're a kid you don't you're think about life. stuff like that so i thought they were just being strict and now i look back and I, I i look at my dad and how he was never abusive to us he he never uh he, he wasn't a, a drinker or a smoker there was always food on the table and clothes in our backs and so i mean i could i could get into it how there are some ways where i feel like i missed out on some things and, and how i was mistreated but I think now just being a Christian and looking back and I said, wow, I just, I had it good. I was yeah. just, a, I went to public school. I didn't speak low German, which I think um, my parents were, are, are still disappointed to this day, but it's hard to do that. You could you, easily have a conversation in German still. Uh, a little bit. Every once in a while I do, I do get a referral from a customer at the dealership who, who just maybe recently came in from Mexico or speaks stronger German than English. And I can, I can grasp my way through it, but it's not strong. No, I, I, I can't, I can't uh, enunciate properly, but I do what I can and I can understand it very well. So, okay. Yeah. Well, I, I knew your brothers growing up, uh, yeah. John, who recently has testified to being saved yeah. and freed from drugs. I went to school with him and I remember seeing your brother, Frank. I worked with him for a little while at North Star. Back yeah. then he was uh, a self-proclaimed Christian, yeah. very my excited about the faith, uh, involved in the church. And then in many years later, he became a strong, avid atheist. Yeah. And, uh, I remember your brothers getting into to trouble and yeah. I heard that you did as well. Yeah. When I met you, yeah. you had just come out of some trouble and whatnot. So, yeah. um, one of my friends told me he used to hang out with your brothers and he said, your brothers really 
manipulated you and mm-hmm. kind of egged you on and provoked you and told you to lie to your parents and all mm-hmm. kinds of stuff. So what was it like growing up as a, one of the younger ones in a family of older brothers? You know, what's funny, actually, I don't know which brother it was that I was talking about this with. Um, but they asked me if I remembered stuff like that. And I said, I honestly don't really remember much. Oh, I think I'm good. sure there could be it, but I don't remember much. And I know I was a big liar. Uh, I lied to my parents all the time. I was, you know, everything from uh, deceitful as sneaking into their bedroom while they're sleeping and going up into the one cover where I know they had the school snacks <laughs> and I'd be taking the school snacks. Oh, this and, was me. Uh, and I was a big, uh, you know, I, I, you know, taking a small change from my, from my, from my mom's purse, never dared my dad's wallet. Cause I knew what would come after that. Um, like he, he, he wouldn't uh, take that. And, um, so yeah, I, I, I lied a lot. I ran away a lot. Just, I don't, I don't know. I, that's just kind of who I was. And then when I got into a teenager, um, I'll tell you what, the reason why my rebellion started stemmed from a fear of death. Is that right? That's the reason you can why. make that connection clearly. Yep. And, and I, and I would even say that to my friends when I, they saw that I was willing to take my rebellion to another level where it's not just, you know, doing a little bit of vandalism or lying or, or, or doing a little shoplifting. It's getting into some serious crimes and drug addiction where I said, Hey, look, I'm going to hell anyways. And I had hmm. spent, I had spent many nights crying cause I was scared. I knew that I was a sinner. I knew that I was guilty of something and I had no idea how I was going to be forgiven. If but that was at this possible. stage in your life, you, you hadn't committed a lot of big sins, right? No, no, just the, just, just being a troublesome little kid. But then I said, I'm so terrified. Why don't I just live it up? Hmm. Why don't I just live it up and just let this life take me wherever I can? If, yeah. Cause if you weren't being promised some kind of hope as a sinner, yeah. and you just know that I'm, I am a sinner. I'm a bad kid. I'm not listening to my parents. I often disappoint them. So yep. why not just, yep. it's interesting. But I took parents, the other approach. Was that? Oh, really? I was a good kid, but at the same time I, I was very sneaky. I would always snoop my parents' Christmas yeah. gifts. They'd hide them in the closet. Yeah. One year I was sure I knew what I was getting and ended up, they had hid my cousin's gifts in our closet and <laughs> our gifts at their closet. There you go. So I was pretty disappointed when I got what I found, what I got. So yeah. no kidding. Well, um, yeah, like, and, and my parents were really disappointed in that too. Cause I remember even like the times when they had to get me out of the, out of the police station and, uh, times there, well, there was one time. Yeah. Okay. So, so, and then, and you know, the times that I'd come home drunk and high and I'd been driving and, um, other, other kinds of trouble I had gotten into. So this is like 16, 17 yeah, years 16, old Yeah, 16, 17, maybe I'm jumping too far ahead, That's but, fine. but they would say, we just don't understand because I actually was a good kid, but they didn't understand the fear I had in my heart. And, and I was really disappointing them. Like, I, I actually don't think I was a disappointment until then I see. to them. So I would, they're just like, you're throwing away your life. And it's like, well, exactly. That's, that was what I was doing. Interesting. I didn't know what I had in store for me as a life. So, yeah. That's, uh, that's interesting what, what being raised under strict religion will do to people, right? Mm-hmm. Because, yeah. you know, we, we understand our sinfulness way sooner than what is actually deemed sinful. Yeah. Like you now as an adult might look at a kid who's a little bit troublesome and maybe causes some ruckus in school classes mm-hmm. or, or isn't always listening. We're like, oh, he's just a kid. Mm-hmm. But at your age, you already knew that there's guilt with this, you know, there's, I'm being watched by my parents. They think I'm bad. I know that God must reflect what my parents think. So I am a bad kid, right? Right. I feel sinful much more quickly than say a kid raised in just a secular understanding. Yeah. That's yeah. You you hit the nail on the head there. That's, that's pretty much exactly my mindset, you know, growing up and and from, from being a, a pretty well, nice kid to get into some rebellion and then, and then get into quite a bit of trouble as a teenager Mm -hmm. and, uh, and really, uh, turning my life into something that was broken and, and dained and destructive for everyone around me. So, so I know you've told your story several times. I didn't hear all this stuff as yeah. a, as a young child, but from there, it sounds like things just kind of started spiraling down mm-hmm. and looking from the outside, probably you just look like 
a teenager trying to sow his wild oats, so to speak. Yeah, I think so. But from the inside, it sounds to me like you started feeling like your life was just ending. Yeah. Yeah, there were some circumstances. Don't want to get too much into it, but I actually, I made a, I, 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 I would even say to my mom and stuff that uh, if this and this happens to me, I'm probably going to end my life. And there are times when I actually would, would, would think about it when I, and, and, and I think that's when I was probably the most addicted to drugs and, uh, and was really broken and didn't know how to share what I felt with anybody. I felt so distant from God. I, I was still actually reciting the same prayers that I, that I learned as Los a kid. All the high German prayers that I didn't quite understand what they meant and you would just utter them and then you're done. And mm. then, but it never felt, it never made anything feel better. Uh, and the thing is, I actually, I remember growing up in, in Sunday school, I actually knew, like I was really good in Sunday school. I knew how to, how to answer all the stories and I knew Bible stories because I'd grow up and we didn't have a TV. Right. So I had these children's Bible stories. And I, I read the same ones. read all the Bible stories. Those blue Bible story books, yep. there's a set of 10. So I, I knew actually the stories of the scripture very well, but I never knew God. Yeah. I, I, he was just a distant, uh, scary uh, still sovereign, almost uh, tyrant. Yeah, tyrant that I, I don't think I would ever have any access to. Hmm. It's too late for me. Interesting. Yeah. So what uh, what started the downward spiral there? You said addicted to drugs. Were you like daily on something? Yeah, I mean, and, and a lot of people probably even watching this um, uh, would would maybe scoff at this, but so it started with me and my friends. We wanted to buy our first case of beer. Um, we were 15, and and just you know, yeah, three 15 year olds drinking a, a two for a beer. That was a that was a crazy day. Yeah, and then you do that once a month, and then let, let's try let's try uh let's find some weed, and then we put that in the pipe, and we had. Uh, you know, we had our fun with that. And then, um, and I just had a, maybe a very addictive personality and I just wanted to keep it going, but it, it wasn't too long after that, that it was a crutch to actually, uh, take my mind off of how broken and sad I really was. And then obviously doing more drugs is only going to make you make more decisions. So yeah, I, I would say that I was actually addicted to, to marijuana. Um, and then actually that did, uh, um, get into some harder weekend party drugs. Like I, I, I tried the cocaine and, and heavy pills. But those stuff. ones you didn't get really fully hooked. No, on, right? no, it was mostly cause it was, it was expensive. Uh, it, it was, it was expensive and uh, I didn't really understand the appeal. Like that's where I was like, well, even this is, this is too dangerous. This is wild. Right. Mm. So yeah. Interesting. So I remember, uh, we started a youth group and we were reaching out almost all to, people outside the church there was no there was maybe one or two people from our youth group that actually attended our church yeah, like yeah. john dyke's daughter yeah uh, mike martin's was there sometimes yeah, yeah. but other than that it was all people from outside the church either old colony or summerfield or whatever and ended up being a bunch of your friends that started yeah. coming around yeah yeah friends of this cat <laughs> what are we gonna do with this thing <laughs> so um yeah, that, that was it. I mean, my friends who I got in, who, who I was, that, that was that same group we got into trouble with and they, they desired to get away from that a lot earlier than I did. And, um, and they were inviting me for a while and I, and for a long time I was saying stuff like, no, I'm not really interested in that. And I was being polite to them. But when I got to a point where I was broken and I thought I've got nothing left to live for and my friends can see that I'm broken and they just keep on inviting me youth. Why don't I just come to this youth? I mean, what, what else do I have to do? I don't like what I'm looking at in the mirror. Maybe uh, briefly touch on that topic. I know because you and Billy Martins both were coming to youth. Yeah. And you guys actually had like a restraining order where yeah. you weren't allowed to be in the same yeah. room at the yeah. same time. Yeah, we both got into trouble. So uh, there was a, uh, we, we, we set off a, a smoke bomb in an apartment building and we thought it was a prank. You're not that smiling, we, are you? Was that? No, no, I'm not. <laughs> <laughs> now, now I am. But uh, we, so we did that. We thought it'd be a funny prank to play on our drug dealer. And we had no idea how powerful and potent that smoke bomb really was. And it caused a full 
blowout evacuation of the building and and uh, the superintendent had to go to the hospital for smoke inhalation he was trying to get people out and uh, the, the the evidence was all there they caught us on camera um, leaving the building in Billy's truck and me and Billy and his brother and two others and we like I got arrested first and they already knew who else was involved but they wanted to give me an opportunity to turn him in and I turned my friends in and oh, I, I was charged with arson and um, and if it wasn't for my dad paying for uh, an expensive lawyer I actually would have spent a couple weekends in jail was it it was a criminal charge then? it was a criminal charge and actually because um, I was the one who I you know sent some text messages back and forth it looked like I enabled the entire thing whereas I think we were all sort of equally involved they were going to charge me the worst and the rest mm. was going to get mischief. So I actually had to get a lawyer to get that down. That's the details. Yikes. But yeah, so my That's dad yeah, had to pay for some lawyers and, and it kept me out of prison for a couple weekends and ended up having some pretty strict probation and I couldn't be with Billy. Interesting. Um, so just a couple of weeks ago, I know you said you meant you listened to the conversation I had with John Bam and his brother Isaac yeah. started very similarly. He got into trouble with law several times. And I think instead of coming you know coming to the end of himself and finding a way out he just dug deeper and deeper and deeper to the point where he was stealing cars pretty much every weekend yeah. and drugs and alcohol and the bank chasing, robbery maybe you know, at some point yeah, yeah they got involved with so many different things yeah. so it's you know your life could have taken two very different routes at that point mm -hmm. but anyway you ended up at youth and somehow you managed to just come in the same room as billy and yeah yeah, so make it happen. Yeah, yeah, we're in a Christian youth group, and, and technically, um, that was all illegal, and uh, and we 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 just were doing it anyways. So that's that's what happened, and we were a little bit concerned about that. Uh, Billy had a conscience because he, he recently got saved and, and found Jesus, and so he was like, I almost wonder if maybe we should alternate or not come not get together. He as asked much. me about that at that point. Yeah, and so we just ended up riding out the probation and still hanging out, and, and it, it all worked out okay. But nice. yeah. So I started coming to youth then, but that was a very low point in my life. I had done some some things I don't want to get too specific that I'm not at all proud of. Um, just never thought that I would go so low and to, and to lose people I care about like that. And I was tired of the lies and the anger. And, um, and I just, I remember, I didn't even know, I remember dropping to my knees one day and I said, God, like, I don't even know if you ever want to listen to me ever again, but I don't know what I have left in this life. If you have something to give me, I'm, I guess I'm willing to take it, but I just feel so broken and I don't have any desire to live anymore. Like this, I just, so this is like 17, 18 years old. Uh, actually 19, 20. 19. Yeah. Cause I was, uh, yeah, I was not, yeah, I was 19 when I got saved. So yeah. Wow. And then actually a couple of weeks after that, I started coming to youth and it opened up a lot of, we were meeting at Willie Penner's place yeah. there having bonfires and I started the book of Romans and yeah. I'm sure Willie shared sometimes John Friesen shared a few times. Yeah. And, um, yeah, you started getting bits and pieces of this idea that maybe God could still love me in mm -hmm. spite of all my sin. Yeah. It's interesting how you can grow up and you actually know the Bible really well, but to not actually know the gospel because, and, and I want to say actually on the record here, hopefully John and Willie, uh, uh, hear this too, that I really appreciate those guys. There were some times where there were some miscommunications and I, I said some things I shouldn't have said and, and probably made them feel like, uh, like I didn't value their friendship and their, and their, and their fellowship. But they, they mean a lot to me because I think, I don't think I would have stuck around in youth if they didn't approach me. No. I'm not the kind of guy, and you're not the kind of guy either to be the first person to That's introduce right. yourself to somebody. I wish I was more like that to make people feel comfortable in a setting, but they are that. John was kind of what got the whole ball rolling. Exactly. And uh, and, it, and and John was, was key to me being saved. And then I remember there was like the first or second time I went to youth and I'm like, 
whoa, like, is there an opportunity for me to get forgiven of my sins through Jesus? Like, can I actually be forgiven? And then him and his wife came out to me and told me, I said, hey, I just want to let you know, our, us and our Bible study group are praying for you. And I, I was just floored. Yeah. I, I just, I, tears were just coming out of my eyes. I actually had to leave, and I was just driving my truck home. It's a and, foreign thought, right? Yeah, like, why would you have no idea who I am or what I've done? Why are you praying for me? And so, obviously, these are some nice people. People are treating me a lot better than I deserve, and then I kept going. Hmm. So, yeah. so then you ended up here that night. Do you yep. remember clearly what it was that kind of opened your eyes to seeing that it was for you? Yeah, I think this sort of sealed the deal because, like I said, I, I, I understood that there is forgiveness for the worst of the worst. And I don't know, at this point, I felt like I didn't know too many people that were much worse than I am. So I was like, okay, so there is forgiveness, but what do I do about my sin? Because I'm still still addicted to pornography. I'm still, I'm still uh, smoking weed on a daily basis all day. I'm always numb by drugs. I feel so trapped in my sin. And then we talked about Romans 6, how we're... When when Jesus was crucified, we were crucified with him, and our old man was buried with him, and and we're risen a new creation. And and, I, and I'm I'm butchering this. I you, you'd think I should know this better, but in a nutshell, I I got this I got this picture in my head that I was sitting in jail with uh with the door wide open and shackles around my ankles and hands that were wide open, and I just I just thought like I can just walk free. Yeah. So you're telling me that all of my sins are now in the past and they don't have a hold over me anymore. Right, because we had that, gone through Romans 3 and 4, which yeah. deals with forgiveness and, you know, where grace abounds. Yeah. Uh, where sin abounds, grace does much more abound. Yeah. And then we get into Romans chapter 6, and you're still hooked, though, right? Yeah, so, that's right. That's neat. So, yeah, I'm just like, so I can actually be free from my sin. Like, I don't have, the sin has no more hold over me anymore. You it's know, now a choice. Yeah. Do I walk out of that jail cell, yeah. or do I remain here pretending like I'm cuffed, yeah. continuing in my sin. And, and I think if there was any little inkling of still wanting that sin, because I've heard a lot of testimonies of people who've been held back from, from coming to Christ because there's still a little bit of desire for their sin. I, I was so done with it. I wanted out. You just couldn't I, stop. I wanted out. I had no more desire. I, I knew that there was a, a forgiving God. And I just said, well, I want whatever he has to offer, but this has to make sense to me first. And that's what did. And I'm like, I'm opening my eyes wide. I'm like looking around, like, is nobody else reacting to this? Yeah. I'm, I'm t- I remember I'm, you looking like you were just thrilled and everybody else is like, yeah, that's nice to hear. Yeah. Cause they've, they've been Christians <laughs> for a while. And, and a lot of them are actually, they, they grew up hearing the, the gospel in ways that I didn't. So I was, uh, I was undone. And, and then I, I remember I went to my mom the very next morning, bright and early, she's out doing gardening. I said, mom, I'm a Christian now. She's like, well, haven't you always been? Yeah, exactly. You were born a Christian. What are yeah. you talking about? Yeah, that's right. And I was like, listen, I'm not going to smoke weed anymore. Like I did it yesterday, but I'm not going to do it today. I don't, I don't need to do it anymore. I'm not, you, I'm free. And you've never gone back. Um, actually there was a little, a couple weeks after that, I broke my finger at Remtech. I broke it pretty bad and I came home and I was having a bad day. I was in a lot of pain. Um, I had a piece of steel crushed my finger against the bed of a lathe and I was broken in two places. And my oldest brother, Frank was sitting there. I told him what happened. He's like, well, Hey, he's like, I have something for the pain. And I actually did. I was a Christian. And I took a I took a drag of this joint, and I had a buzz. And I was like, "Why on earth did I do that? That's nothing more than what a a, a Tylenol three could have done." I was in some pain, and and it was very. And temporary. it could have been the road right back yeah. into the and, same habits. Yeah, and I remember, and, and it was a couple nights after that I went out with a couple of my friends, um, and they had they had started smoking weed a lot a lot later than I did. I was trying to get them into it, and they didn't. And now they're really into it. And they said, "Hey, you're going to come smoke weed with us now that we do. You're going to as well." And I said guys, I got no interest in that anymore. Hmm. Let me tell you what happened to me. And so obviously I didn't get invited to hang out with them anymore after nice. that. Yeah. But, <laughs> yeah. That's awesome. So I was a new man. 100%. Yeah. I remember your countenance changed before that you would leave kind of sad and lonely. You told me that you'd often just drive home, bawling your eyes out, didn't know what to do with yourself. After that, you were crying out of joy and gratitude and, yeah. you know, peace had entered into your life. Yeah. 
had lots of awesome engagement uh, after the, I remember we used to always open up the discussions uh, after you had preached and me, I remember me and Billy always had at least a couple questions and then me and my friends for at least a year after, after youth, we'd go over to the Rempel's house and we would be staying up till on a Friday. Some of us had to work the next day. We'd stay up till three, three thirty in the morning. We'd be talking <laughs> about our faith and how excited we are. Um, oh yes. Yeah. A lot has changed since then, but yeah, that was Pete, a, Ronnie, Pete, Ernie, Ronnie, Ernie, yeah. Willie. Yeah. Nico was, was younger, good times. but Nico was quite young. Yeah. yeah. That was a really fun time. Yeah. So that was 19 years old. Yeah. I'm trying to think how long was it actually till you met Jen? Because it didn't seem, it seemed like quite a while, but when I think back now, it couldn't have been that long. No, it must've been about two years. Um, well, like we, I remember we went on our first date, August 13th, 2016. And it was a very weird time to go on a date because one of my friends I was just talking about that, uh, was, uh, I was getting, that wanted to get high with me was Jeremiah Cron. And, um, and he passed away a couple days before oh, he got into a car accident and I was so, uh, I had, I had such a hard time with that. And here comes another, another, another animal. Yeah. You can hear the dogs in the back and the roosters. Yeah. Hopefully I can <laughs> drown some of that out <laughs> on the right. video. Um, so yeah, he had passed away and then I actually, it was like a day after that we were at a wedding and there, and some... <laughs> sorry pup. Okay. At a wedding. Yeah, and then um, some mutual friend of ours gave me her number. I had a crush on her for like a year, but I never thought... You kind of saw her in the distance, but never really communicated to her. Yeah, all my friends knew her because they went to school with her. I was a public school guy, so I didn't. And I never had the nerve to talk to her. I thought, well, she she shouldn't be with a guy like me. Like, I, I have too much of a past. What was it about her? Um, I just... She just looked very sweet. She looked very quiet. She was very different from a lot of girls. I, I've never... I've. This kind of sounds weird, but I've always... Like when a girl is very loud and almost frivolous and super outgoing, it's never drawn me as something that's attractive. Interesting. Um, so I would per prefer someone that's different. Well, and there was something Book about of, her. Book of Peter talks about a women. Women should have a meek and quiet spirit. That's my wife. She is a meek and quiet spirit. She still is. That that'll never change. And I appreciate. And that, that. was just her natural demeanor, or do you yeah. think that was stemming from her Christian faith already? Yeah, she she had been a Christian for a couple of years. Um, and uh, w was never one to want to be like the center of attention. And, and she had some uh, some friends that were getting into some trouble. And, and she actually didn't have a desire to get into sin and start drinking and stuff. So she just withdrew herself from them nice. and then went with a couple other friends who were serious about their faith from an early age on when they're not, 14, 15 year olds typically aren't too excited about God and want to devote their life to Christ. They want to live a bit more first, right? But she found some friends that did. And I think that's why she is where she is. Yeah. Nice. So it took a year to finally get up the courage. And yep. then at the wedding, you asked her, or how did that work? Um, no, I was like a couple of days. I, I, I actually texted her the next day and I said to, I was saying to Billy, I'm like, why, why, you know, my, one of my best friends just died in a terrible accident. And, uh, and I'm still having a hard time with this. Why should I deserve a, a date with this girl? And Billy said, look, you should just do it. Pull the trigger on it. And I just, I called her up and we had a date and, and then we just started, uh, going on more dates and going to the same church and she got she got baptized i got baptized sooner than that and then we got married and yeah there's a lot of stuff that happens in between i guess but yeah yeah well i know we were involved with you guys kind of right from the start you yeah. guys had some uh relationship issues just before where yeah. it almost seemed like maybe you guys were going to break it off yeah. because of some misconduct on your part perhaps yeah, for sure and uh it was really really tough for her to swallow mm-hmm and almost ended your relationship before it really began. I remember you just being totally devastated. You're like, this yeah. this was my plan for my future. This yeah. is my life, right? Yeah, like um, I had I had hidden sin 
like I had been a Christian for two and a half, three years already. And then I got back into some sins that I, I really wanted to keep in the grave. And, uh, and before I knew it, I w- it was something that was habitual. And, uh, and it's something that I, one of the reasons why I wanted to not um, get involved in a relationship, I wanted to tackle this first, but I, I, I forgot about how to bring it to the cross and do it the right way. Um, well, sometimes we get this, we understand the fact that I am free, 100% free. Like you walked free from drugs, you walked free from alcohol, you stayed not, out of the yeah. drug and party scene. And so you, you acted free in that regard. Yeah. And then sometimes because we're so free in one area, we kind of take liberties in another and we think that well, could have been it. I'm probably free enough to kind of play with this here. Yeah. And before you know it, you're acting like a slave again, mm-hmm. enslaved to some lust of yours yeah. and it can drag you down. So just because I say I am 100% free from sin, Jesus has made me free yeah. from sin, does not mean that I'm uh, immune to temptation or that I cannot and not capable of committing sin. Yeah. My body is still the same body, but as I reckon it to be dead, as I count myself to be dead indeed to sin and alive unto God, I can walk free as well, yeah. right? So, and sometimes it takes discipline too, right? Mm-hmm. Where you're like lust, youthful lust, Paul says, flee youthful lust. That's right. So there's yeah. a time for that as well. Yeah, I think there's a reason why he says to flee youthful lusts and, uh, and not, he doesn't really give us details on how to equip ourselves to fight it. He just wants you to get away from it. Um, because it's a sin that that's internal and it's it's very destructive. It's a sin against yourself. That's the Bible right. says. Yeah. yeah, exactly. So, so then uh, I know you kept working at Remtech for a while. You did a few other little things here and there, but uh-huh. you uh, eventually got into car sales, and this is where everybody seems to know your face from. So I thought it'd be a good thing to touch on. Yeah. Um, <clears throat> I didn't realize how driven you were. <clears throat> you know, I mean, at Remtech, you just did your job. You seemed to like it. You yep. did it well. Yeah. But here, there was an opportunity for you to almost like building your own company where you were from the ground up. You were learning constantly. How do I sell better? Mm-hmm. How do I present myself better? How do I um, not just not just pressure somebody into a sale, but how do I build a client base where they will refer all their friends to me as well, mm-hmm. right? So where does this drive come from and how did you yeah. work the gospel into your work? Well, uh, one thing I, I always, I've, I've always been very competitive. So anything I do when I was framing, when I was loading peppers, when I was um, uh, working at Remtech, I always wanted to be the very best at what I did. And I, w- I didn't want, I just, I felt like I always owed it to myself and that was self-discipline. It's not like uh, anybody else was challenging me. I just wanted to be the best. So the reason why I wanted to try leaving Remtech, which by the way, that's an excellent company. And, uh, and if anybody asked me if they should ever go work there, I would say, absolutely. That's a great opportunity. The bosses, the I've people there, good things. Yeah, excellent place to work for. I, I did feel like I was going to hit a bit of a ceiling there as far as income. Um, and, uh, and know, even just potential. for your abilities, what else can I do now? I'm yep. doing the best that I can, but there's nothing else to do, right? Yeah. So Jake Lowen, uh, See, I, I, I miss him already. He's, he's now moved to Manitoba. Hope he's watching you, watching this, and we miss you, brother. Um, we're all good friends. He, he said to me, he said, I think you've got a little bit too much ambition for this place. You should try out something in sales. And I never. And he had just that. started sales. Yep. Yeah, he had left, and it was like almost a year to the day that he left that I went and got a, a job at a car dealership, and it was in Tilsonburg, so we'd sometimes get together for coffee, and, and he was doing pretty good. And then I just kind of really honed in and, 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 and changed my mindset a bit about how it be, being my own business within a business. And, uh, and I just want to take it to whatever level I can um, ethically. Um, there's a, that's the thing, right? That, that's the thing. Yeah. Like there is, you know, there, there is a lot of bad habits you can pick up on the way. And well, almost everybody ideas. is aware of that, um, stereotype of salesmen just being Sleazy. pushy and 
conniving and manipulating, Deceitful. always trying to find some angle to yep. to take advantage of their yeah. customers, right? Yeah, you don't you don't need to operate that at all to be successful. In fact, my my coaches for the best car salespeople in the world, I'm part of a pretty tight knit group of some some uh, some really heavy hitters in the automotive industry, and they're all 100% ethical. They they say you don't need to do that. Don't ever get involved in those bad habits. Um, present offer all the value you can to your customers. Serve them, give them all the information. Always let them know that you're going to be a hundred percent transparent throughout the whole process and upon doing that and giving them a proper experience you're owed referrals you you've earned the referrals so when you ask for the referrals you can get referrals and people just want to keep coming back to you because buying a car is stressful and it takes long and 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 i think that's our own fault for doing it that way so i want to i'm hoping to change the game in our area and uh i'm I'm just having a lot of fun doing it i've I've always said i'm going to keep doing this until it's no longer fun anymore right now i'm having fun so Mm -hmm. One of the things, one of the reasons I've started this podcast and I've shared it many times here is I've called it in light of the gospel because, uh, and I mentioned this on the John Jansen talk, is that any work that you do, if you're, if you're building society, if you're helping to feed people, if you're helping to house people, if you're helping to clothe people, if you're helping people in transportation so that they can get to their jobs, you are doing the Lord's work. Yeah. So sometimes people separate this idea. They think carnal work, spiritual work. Mm-hmm. You know, a preacher does spiritual work. Everybody else is doing carnal work. Yeah. But it's not the case at all. That's right. You can do very spiritual work in a quote-unquote carnal atmosphere mm-hmm. because you're serving someone like the bible says whatsoever you do in word or in deed do all in the name of the lord jesus yeah. so if i'm doing it in the name of the lord jesus it would be as if say i'm a representative of canada and i'm going to india this mm-hmm. sounds familiar trudeau was there a few years ago yeah. he should properly represent the canadian culture and the canadian people and say look i am the face and the name of the Canadian people. And Mm -hmm. so the same way we as Christians now, we carry the name of Christ with us. Mm -hmm. And so when we think of what Christ has done for us, how he served us when we weren't worthy of it and how he purchased us when we were sinful, you know, you can take that into sales Mm -hmm. and think, how can I serve this person? Even if they bad bad mouth me, even if they never give me a referral, even if they, you know, on and on and on it goes, I'm going to serve them the way Christ served me. And I'm going to do it in the name of Jesus Mm -hmm. as if I'm selling cars in Jesus name. Mm Mm-hmm. And it might sound a little bit cliche almost. But. Yeah, I, I thought that for a long time too. And then it just, I don't know, at one point it just stuck to me. I'm like, why am I not serving my customers as unto the Lord? Because that's what the scripture tells me to do. What um, do you mean you were not? I, I just like, I, I just thought it as very carnal work. Just like what you said, I'm just selling cars on Sunday. Trying to make go, money. Yeah, on Sunday when I go and I, I teach the children's lesson every once every other month, I, I preach out of the Bible. Um, I, I'm in the rotation there. I thought that's my spiritual work. And, you know, uh, being a good husband to my wife, um, I didn't think that this was actually spiritual work, but I, that's the way I look at it now is I'm going to keep serving my customers as under the Lord, as if I was literally taking care of the Lord and his, and his angels and his hosts himself. And, um, and that's just the way I do it. And I, I just looking forward to the opportunity to, for the next customer and the next customer. I want to, I want everybody to have a good experience. That's, yeah. that's what it's all about. Make sure they're looked after. That's uh, that's the proper way to do work. I think is, yeah. is to think of it as a service mm-hmm. where you're not. And the funny thing is, is this also leads to the most success. Yeah. When you read those books, like how to win friends and influence people, the principles in there are basic Bible principles, like yeah. love people, be honest, be upright, you know, don't ever try to take advantage. But you can do those things with the eye of thinking, I'm going to make a bunch of money. Mm-hmm. So how do I make a bunch of money? Oh, I got to be honest. Mm-hmm. It's going to fall short. Yeah. So to me, it seems like if you 
have your heart actually gen- genuinely captured by the goodness of God, mm-hmm. then it will be easy to say, you know what, even if I don't make money, yeah. this is how I'm going to serve. And I know some pastors who have been serving for years and years and never have gotten a dime for it. Mm-hmm. And so they do it because they want to do it. They do it because their heart has been captured by the goodness of God. And now if they got payment, it wouldn't change their heart's attitude, right? That's right. Yeah. But some people sign up for it and put out resumes and try to get a job. And it's yeah. they fly it's totally their family different. out to different areas and stuff. It's yeah different way of serving that I don't quite understand for sure. But. Yeah. So anything else you want to say, thing you want to direct people to or something about marriage, something about work, something about your personal story? Maybe drawing a couple of blanks here. Maybe maybe I glazed over my, my life and my situation a bit too much. And I don't want to be, I don't want people to think that I'm hiding anything in my life, but um, I would say uh, for, for men, uh, don't keep any secrets from your wife. It's so detrimental um, to, to your marriage in the future. And so I did, and obviously that caused some problems, but just before the, we got married and after, and I can, I can testify to this day that our marriage is stronger than ever. I don't have any secrets for my wife. Um, and, and we're, we're an open book with each other and, um, it's stronger than ever. And, uh, there, there's always issues, but we work through them because we, we keep God in, in the midst. We, we go together in God in prayer every single day. We pray together. Some days we forget and we, we talk about it. We're like, why didn't we pray together? We should have, we should have came, come to God this morning and, uh, and just brought our day before him, asking for him to be with us and bless us. So that's what I would say. I've just been married for almost four years now. We're going to uh, Vancouver to celebrate our four year anniversary uh, nice. this week. I'm uh, going to take a week off there. And then as far as business goes, I mean, that just like what we just talked about, right? Whatever, whatever you're going to do, uh, imagine as if you're literally doing it for God. So our sovereign God that created the world and everything in it, um, imagine you're, you're, you're literally doing your work for him. You actually have to produce your best product, your best level of service and care. Um, and that's whether you're a, you're a construction contractor or you're a salesperson, insurance broker, um, or if you're in drafting like yourself, yeah. right? I mean, my boss, actually, Tony Wall, he, he used to say, you know, I'm here to serve. Mm-hmm. He used to say that all the time. And it kind of changed my perspective of how you do work. It's not, you, can you service me with some money? Like I need money. No, yeah. he was, I'm here to do whatever you need to get your job done, right? Yeah. So it's a good attitude. Yeah. I'm excited for the future. Lots of, lots of opportunities here, obviously. And, uh, the, the political climate and everything with, with COVID and stuff is going to change drastically in the, in the next couple of months. And, and there, and there's a not, as there's a lot of people who are full of anxiety and nerves. I can say for one thing, I'm not nervous. I'm, I'm, I'm focusing on the grace of God because ultimately that's where I have peace. And there's a lot of people that could use that sort of confidence and peace in the future. And so I think it's really important that, uh, Christian men like us need to lead, lead our homes mm-hmm. and, and be, be that beacon of light. Because I think that, um, things might get a little bit dark here in the next well, year or so. I, uh, this is one thing you and I talked about a little bit ago is that, um, let's say everything fell apart. Say you have to have a COVID vaccine and you're just not willing to get it for the sake of you and your wife and uh, reproductive issues yeah. and stuff. And all of a sudden, all that you have built kind of crumbled down. Mm-hmm. You said to me at that point, that's fine. I can go back to swinging a hammer. I can do whatever it needs to be. Mm-hmm. So to me, it's, that's another thing about Christianity and understanding who you are, yeah. that you don't make your success an idol, right? Mm-hmm. I know it'd be hard to swallow, to lose all of that. Yeah. But at the same time, it's like, I'm doing this because I know God, because he is who he is, yeah. I can serve well. Yeah. It's not like if you were to do this just for the sake of success and that crumbled, anything that would make you devastated has is become an idol. If anything that you lost would make you devastated, it mm-hmm. has become an idol in your life, right? Yeah. So... 
so yeah, that that is that is the case. I mean, um, we don't. I guess I, me and me and a customer were talking about this the other day, or actually my orthodontist, because she was uh, asking me about shots and stuff like that. I said it seems like that's now one of those couple of things you can't talk about. There was religion, politics, and that's typically the things you leave out. But now it's religion, politics, and vaccines. Yeah. Um, and so yeah, like that's just. Uh, uh, people would say that's a silly hill to die on, um, but uh, I'm willing to take my beliefs to whatever end. And uh, and like I said, I mean, there's a good opportunity to build a massive business here, and it's growing consistently every single month. And I'm 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 more driven than ever. I'm really excited for the future. But if that all had to come to an end, I'd be okay with it. Mm-hmm. Uh, I'd be okay with it. I'd, I'd liquefy some 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 of the expense because we you know we have a certain lifestyle that we're living now. If we have to downgrade and sell one of our cars or do this or do that, whatever. It Not is a big what it deal. Is. Yeah. It's not the hope and joy no. of life, right? It is yeah. just uh, icing on the cake, so to speak. So I really just like our community. That's really it. I, I, our, our, our community is something that's very special to me. So I, I really appreciate the people in our community. There's a lot of good people in this community, and there's a lot of good ways that we can serve each other and, um, and be a blessing. And I'm, I'm looking for opportunities everywhere to be a blessing to my community, whatever that looks like. So, right on. Yeah. Seems like a good enough place to close it. I know yeah. we could go into many different rabbit trails here yeah. yet, but I uh, appreciate you coming down yeah. and taking the time to have a talk with me. And I hope everyone else appreciates it as well. Maybe if you could just uh, subscribe to the YouTube channel, share it with your friends. Anybody who knows Tony might be interested to hear a bit more of his story. So thanks again. Mm-hmm.